Today, the White House announced that the administration will fall short of its goal to have 70 percent of adults at least partially vaccinated by July 4th. So uh, another year, another July 4th of celebrating independence from the U.K., but not from the virus, huh? Not quite yet. Not quite yet. <laughs> Many experts had said it was very ambitious to look at that July 4th deadline for 70 percent of Americans. And now the White House, it seems, Mike, is getting ready to acknowledge that very fact. I guess uh, if the U.K. variant takes a hold here also, we'd really have independence from neither. (laughs) (laughs) Hey there, Pulse Check listeners. This is Jeremy Siegel continuing our special series on the coronavirus pandemic. Today, I'm in conversation with Adam Kankren. I'm in the bowels of Capitol Hill of uh, of the Capitol building. (laughs) Nature is healing. We're getting back to normal, you know, at least in certain ways. I get to spend my day in windowless basements again. It's, it's, uh, it's refreshing. Adam, who is back in his element in the deep, dark depths of the Capitol building, about why the White House is on track to miss its July 4th deadline for vaccinating 70% of the U.S. and what it can do to pump those rates up. Here's our conversation. Good afternoon. Today two months until July 4th, I'm here to report that we're, uh, we're in our vaccination program, where we are and what comes next in an effort to uh, get this country back closer to normal. So if you remember, and it feels like forever ago, but it was just, I think, early May, uh, the president came out and said at the time, you know, vaccines had just kind of become widely available. Things were starting to to reopen. And there was a feeling of, okay, now we're really starting to ramp up uh, these vaccinations, the vaccination rate really across the country. And and he came out and he set, you know, this goal. And this is what the administration has kind of done all along. They set benchmarks well, that they want to hit. As everyone knows, I promised that we'd administer 100 million shots in my first 100 days. After we met that goal, we doubled it to a historic 200 million shots. And he said, you know, we want to get at least 70 percent of the population the adult population partially vaccinated, right? So that's that's one dose if you're getting Pfizer or Moderna by Independence Day, by the 4th of July. If we succeed in this effort, as we did with the last, then Americans will have taken a serious step towards a return to normal. That's July 4th. And the reason he's setting that goal is what he said that would allow us to do is have, you know, small gatherings, be able to have cookouts, uh, be able to go over to people's houses, and live life in a way that feels normal again, right? Mm-hmm. And so in one way, we have really, really kind of exceeded that goal in that for a lot of people, for maybe even the majority of the population, things feel pretty normal again. You can go to gatherings that aren't just small. You know, you can go to larger gatherings. A lot of places are fully reopened. Uh, a lot of places you can sit inside at restaurants and feel relatively safe doing so. But in the one way that we are falling short is that 70% goal. Right. Right now, we're at about sixty five and a half percent. And just projection wise, looking at the vaccination rate, the pace of shots by July 4th, we're not going to hit that 70 percent mark, most likely. Why are we falling short there? Um, What specific populations are health officials failing to reach? Yeah, there's a number of, you know, kind of pockets and a number of reasons. I think the the main, you know, to to bring you to the 30,000 foot level. There are people who are just kind of 
against getting the vaccine, right? They're, they're concerned about its safety. They, they've been affected by misinformation or disinformation, right? And they're just, they just don't want to get the shot, right? So that's one, roughly one population. And then the other population is people who either are skeptical or they just have not prioritized it or frankly have had difficulty just finding the time, right? Getting the days off, you know, finding an, a, a place to go get the shot. That is still, those barriers to access still exist uh, in a lot of populations, specifically, you know, black communities. We're seeing, seeing a lot of it still in Hispanic communities and then, you know, rural areas of the country. And maybe the last and the most important kind of in what, what the White House has been highlighting over the past few days is younger Americans just as a whole, you know, ages 18 to 26, right? If you break it down across ages, we're at that 70% mark for people who are 30 and up. We're most likely going to be at that 70% mark for people who are 27 and up by July 4th, but it is below that, that 18 to 26, where it's just really been difficult to convince people that young and who are relatively, you know, lower risk for being hospitalized and dying from COVID to go that extra mile and, and get the shot anyway. That's interesting. So it's it's sort of late teens or young adults. Um, it's it's that they just think like, I don't know, they don't they don't need the shot. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 one. What is the actual risk? Right. If a lot of the anti vaccine talking points, right, have been, well, look at the survival rate, you know, and then if you're younger and healthier, the survival rate is 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 even higher. Right. So what are the odds and, and why would you go out of your way to now go get this vaccine? when you're probably going to survive a case anyway. And then there's also this kind of feeling that, okay, well, everybody else is getting it, mm -hmm. right? Cases are dropping, deaths are dropping. Why personally do I need to do it if everybody else is doing the work, right? And, and that's, those two areas of resistance are really difficult to break through, convincing people that, you know, there's a greater good here and also that the vaccine is safe and, and worthwhile to take. Are there any plans to try to do something new there? Like, how do you convince young people who are thinking like, eh, this this probably isn't really going to harm me. Um, other people are getting the shot. Like, how do you get them to get it? Or does it matter if they get it at the end of the day? Well, it's, it certainly does mainly because of these of these new variants, these new strains, right? As long as the virus is circulating, there is a possibility that it will continue to mutate into these new strains, some of which could be you know, more resistant to the vaccines, or they could be more contagious. We're seeing the rise of this so-called Delta variant in certain pockets of the U.S. really just driving localized spikes in cases. So that that's the danger, right? That ultimately you get a mutation where suddenly the vaccines are less effective than we hoped, mm -hmm. and, and that drives a resurgence come the fall or the winter. The question about how, you know, you get people to take this is that's that's the real tough nut to crack at this point. And the administration hasn't really laid out specifically what they're planning to do here outside of that they're going to redouble their efforts to to reach kids, hmm. to reach young adults. Um, but, you know, part of the difficulty there is, is we've already it's not like we're leaving a lot on the table here. We've already tried all kinds of different tactics to reach people. Uh, the most recent one now is creating, you know, what the administration has called this this kind of co college core, which is trying to seek out peers who can then go and talk to their peers mm -hmm. uh, on college campuses and, and in younger communities and try to get them to take the shot. But a lot of it is that now at this point, kind of one on one, you know, convincing people to 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 go get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. 
You also recently reported on how the Biden administration's vaccine outreach efforts in black communities have really failed to gain traction. What do the vaccination numbers look like when you break it down by populations? Well, so and this is you have to take it kind of with a grain of salt because we only have limited data, right? So we only have data on about I think it's 60 percent, 62 percent of people who have received at least one dose. Mm -hmm. So at base, one of the issues is you're missing a whole lot of people and missing a whole lot of demographic information, which makes it more difficult to reach, you know, minority communities. Um, but with that 62%, you have about a quarter, 25% of African-Americans, right, who have received at least one dose. And the numbers there are maybe less important than where that ranks against other demographics. And it is by far, you know, the lowest rate, right? And, and this is despite the fact that we've seen a pretty good acceleration among Latinos. We've seen steady upticks among other demographics. And just, again, this kind of flattening out the stagnation among black Americans. Now, the one place maybe if you want to find hope, right, there is data that the CDC has that shows the rate of the percentage of vaccinations over the past 14 days, right? And there we have seen this real acceleration just maybe in the last week or so of black people getting a greater share of the overall number of shots. So that is a little promising kernel. Obviously, it's not going to be enough to help the Biden administration hit their 70 percent goal. It's going to remain a challenge, I think, into the into the summer and into the fall, probably through the end of the year. And you're reporting. What have you found about why outreach efforts in African-American communities have failed to have more of an impact? I think at core, one of the main difficulties is access. Right. And this is something that you know the administration has tried to solve and it just hasn't gained as much traction, I think, with African-Americans as people hoped. And and when I talk about access, it's, it's a few specific things. It's one, you know, making the vaccines available in places where predominantly black communities can access them. Right. Uh, two, making them really, really easy to get. Right. Whether it's whether it takes going door to door or setting up mobile clinics or something, eliminating those reasons why somebody might say, you know what, I'll do it later. Uh, and then. You know, thirdly, just really reassuring people that, you know, this is free. You're not going to have to pay for it. Uh, you will get your employer will give you the time off if you have side effects. Those kinds of just tertiary concerns that can hold somebody back. The difficulty has been kind of clearing those away and making the vaccine as accessible as possible. And then secondly, you know, there is uh, kind of a built in just historical skepticism about vaccines and uh, and the government that's that, you know, when you look back through history is is warranted in a way. And so what we've really seen from the administration, from state health officials, uh, from community groups on the ground is an attempt to find the messengers, you know, the trusted messengers, whether it's uh, whether it's pastors or community leaders or, you know, anybody who can go in and, and, and say, this is something that you should at least take a look at. You trust me. Therefore, maybe it's worth trusting this information as well. Yeah. Are there any specific programs that have seen success in this area? Yeah. I mean, one one area that's really, I think, promising and that we've seen started over the past month is going into barbershops and uh, hair salons hmm. and really enlisting those places as you know, spaces that are, you know, traditionally kind of have a, 
have a have a home in the black community, right, are seen as places people will go, hang out, you know, talk and trade information. And having those people become essentially ambassadors for the vaccines or for the vaccine information, right? Um, and that that really is is maybe one of the more promising and specific initiatives. Whether it's going to pay off, I mean, we'll have to see. I've been every single day looking at what the vaccination rate is across demographics. And, you know, among Latinos, we've really, really seen a pickup, right? Among Asians, we've really, really seen a pickup. And among African-Americans, it's just been slower. It's been a, a, a more stagnant situation. And, you know, honestly, I think if there were one, if there were one solution, it'd be tried already. It's just a, another matter, matter of going in, talking to people one-on-one and trying to convince them. As somebody who's, you know, tracking the rollout, tracking the efficacy of all of these different outreach efforts, how close do you think we are to that probably inevitable point where like everybody who has gotten or is going to get a vaccine gets one and everybody who isn't, you know, isn't getting one. Like how how close do you think we are to sort of that final percentage that we're probably going to reach at some point? We're we're pretty close, I think, already. And I don't know whether that means we have another 5% to go, another 10, 15%. Uh, I was talking with some people a couple of weeks ago on the Biden administration's outside COVID equity task force, right? And the way they're thinking about it is you make this push all through the summer. And then hopefully when you get to the fall, there will be you know, that core group of holdouts that you can really spend the time, you know, whether it is 15% or 20% of people really spend the time trying to go in and wear them down and convince them to get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of a weird dichotomy. On the one hand, it's great news that we've hit this mark in June rather than in November, December, right? That means hundreds of thousands of lives saved. People who wanted the shot could get the shot. On the other hand, yeah, we're going to reach this point that this threshold where it's going to be very difficult, increasingly difficult to make significant progress on those who are not yet vaccinated. Let's say things basically stay at the point where they are right now, like where we have 60 some percent of the population vaccinated. You know, you were saying before things in a lot of ways do feel like they're getting pretty normal again. You know, businesses are open, masks are off um, in a lot of places. If things stay how they are right now, what does the future look like? Because, I mean, cases are going down. Mm -hmm. Deaths are going down. I I imagine there's way less spread right now. Like, could there be a future where we basically have the amount of people we have vaccinated right now where the virus just ends up receding because we're we're at a pretty good point? You know, I I really hope so. I really (laughs) hope so. Uh, But it's not guaranteed. I mean, we really are at the whims of these variants. And what we've seen from this Delta variant, right, which is the one that was spreading in India and now has kind of jumped over to here, is in places where it is circulating a real kind of surge in cases. It's much more transmissible. And in pockets where people, a lot of people are, are not vaccinated, it's going to be a problem. And so what I really, really worry about is this kind of breaking into, you know, a U.S. that is vaccinated and largely back to normal and largely safe and a U.S. that is unvaccinated. You look at some of these rates in the South, in Mississippi and Alabama, where the vast majority of people still aren't vaccinated. 
And that's really what, what, what concerns me, that you may have large swaths of the country that remain at risk well into 2022. And that just kind of becomes, you know, the daily cost of living at that point. Um, and that would be really unfortunate. That would be really sad if that's kind of where we end up. All right, that's the show for this week. I'm Jeremy Siegel, and big thanks to Adam Kankren for joining me. To follow more of Adam's reporting, be sure to sign up for the Politico Pulse newsletter, which he co-writes every weekday alongside Politico's Sarah Overmall. You can find that at politico.com slash newsletters. Also, subscribe to Pulse Check if you haven't yet, wherever you're listening. Pulse Check's senior editor is Raghu Manavalan. Our senior producer is Jenny Ament. And our executive producer is Irene Noguchi. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you soon. <laughs>